Hey guys, what is going on? We are in the zone. This is episode 144. I'm back after a one-week hiatus here with Anthony Pinello, Giancarlo Alino, Chris Martelli here. Uh, we're going to start this off. Uh, we got some negative news, yeah, more negative news for Buffalo fans because it it's not really positive ever. The first overall pick, Owen Power, the guy that's projected to be a Victor Hedman-type player, is going back to Michigan. He's not going to Buffalo to play. Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Pinello. What are your initial thoughts on this, and do you think this will stunt Owen Power's development? No, not at all. It's just for the year. Um, I don't think he's in any, any rush to get to Buffalo. They're in pretty much the same situation there. So if he wants to go back to school for one more year and then uh, return to Buffalo for the 21-22 season, go for it. But um, no, this doesn't stunt in any way, in any way for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it doesn't do anything. They were going to be last place with him, last place without him. So I think it's good on him. It's a positive for his confidence and, I guess, self-esteem. Why go to Buffalo when they're going to be bad all year? So stay in university, college over there, have a blast, score some goals, be a stud in that league, put up point totals that other guys probably won't be able to match. And uh, then after next year when Buffalo gets another first overall pick, yeah, both join the team together and hopefully can make a run at it. I mean, I, I guess we got to talk about his skill set. And, you know, the the guy just went first overall, the first defenseman to go first since Rasmus Dahlin. So I guess I'll start with you, Pinello. Uh, what do you see out of Owen Power? If he were to play on Buffalo, do you see him getting 60-plus? Do you see him surpassing Rasmus Dahlin as the number one option? Or do you think he could be a pretty solid number two option like a Wierenski and Jones in, in Columbus? Ooh, I think they'd be kind of like a Heisken and Klinberg, something like that. I don't know. Like, yeah, they'd both be – I don't know who's better, but, like, as long as you have both of them on your top pairing, those are two nice pillars to start uh, your rebuild. So he's, he's like a – he's a two-way guy. He reminds me of Shea Theodore. Uh, I like the Victor Hedman comparison you said to start the pod. So, yeah, Darlene's more that, like, dynamic skilled guy so and uh you got that two-way beauty and power so if you got those two back there they may go back and forth down the road on who's better but man that's a good problem yeah Dalene's probably better right now um he's been playing pro even going back to sweden since he was a teenager early teenager so he's had the luxury i guess of developing playing around men and playing around pros all the time but I think going forward, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even put him on the same pairing because it is Buffalo. I can see them having a Darlene pairing and then the power pairing and just play them together on the power play. Uh, but I think right now, because their team is lacking talent that even want to stay there, I think they're going to be forced to have them on separate pairs for the first year. And maybe if they get some interest from other free agents to join, then they'll be able to play together more often. I mean, the sad thing about the sad thing about this is too a lot. We've seen the trend. A lot of like top studded blue liners. They usually usually one parts ways after I want to say four or five years. They want to have that, you know, the limelight. I think Owen Powers that type of guy. I think, you know, he's he's incredible. What I've seen from him this year, he was by far the best player in this draft. That's my opinion. I think he's on a different level than everyone else. Um, you know, he, he could bring a lot to Buffalo. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, when Jack Eichel got drafted second overall way back in 2015, I thought that that was the beginning of, 
you know, something incredible, but unfortunately it just hasn't worked out. Jack Eichel, we all know that he's basically, he's on the way out. We all know that. So I guess I'll start with you, Alino, this time. Um, like what, what does Buffalo really need? Do they need like a superstar type of guy to get traded there? Do they need new management? Do they need a, a, like a new goalie to start? Like, what do you think is the biggest problem there? Is it that they just don't have a face of the franchise that they can rely on? Yeah, I think management, like they haven't had really a consistent guy stay there for like a while. Like every year it seems they have a new coach, new GM. They need ownership to just get a guy in there with a clear message, to get management in there, get players to, you know, tell fans what the message is going to be and just attract people that way because it seems like they're all over the place. They go get Skinner. He has an amazing year. Then they go and sign him to a stupid extension and he falls off at all like completely. So management's to blame for that. They need to evaluate who is playing when and who's benefiting most by playing with Eichel. I think Eichel should have been that guy they built around, but they just made too many moves that didn't really go to their strengths and now they're paying the price for it. So you're going to be forced now. You have to trade Jack Eichel, get as many pieces and depth pieces as you can. Maybe one player out of that that has term on their deal and then uh, get somebody else to come in and play with power in his first year when he comes up and hopefully he'll be fine after that. I don't have a word to add to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think I'm, I'm looking at their team and, and I like they, they got rid of Reinhardt. They're getting rid of Eichel. Um, Olofsson, I've also heard, is is rumored to get traded. If not, before the season starts, probably at the deadline. The Leafs have been suitors for him. Uh, I was going to say, like out of the two guys that I'm going to name, who do you think is under more pressure next year? And I know you guys are probably going to laugh because they're completely two different level players. We have one in Rasmus Dahlin who is supposed to be a, a top two pairing defenseman easily, at least right now at this stage in his career. And the other guy I'm going to say, you guys might laugh, Casey Middlestat. I mean, I love this guy. He's skilled. Now with potentially Eichel leaving, he might even have some time at the number one center spot. So I'll start with you, Pinello. Out of those two guys, which one do you think has more pressure going into next season? What was it, Middlestat or Darlene? Yeah. I got I have to say Middlestat. Um, when I watched Darlene, like, he's basically thrown into the fire. It's one of those situations. Like when you look at Buffalo's blue line, there's no help. So he's got to play in every situation. So I think he's done a pretty solid job thus far. So when I look at Casey Middlestad, he's, he's been a pro for a few years now, and I'm still waiting for him to take a major step. I think maybe now it's time for him to do that. The skill sets there, the guy's like six foot two, six three. Uh, the guy was so impressive going into his draft. I'm not saying that he hasn't progressed, but, I like I'm expecting a little more from him at this point. So I'd say uh, middle stats under a little more pressure. Yeah, I think middle stat. I think this is his opportunity to make a statement and prove that, you know what, they might not need Eichel. Middle stat should be coming up there and really doing everything he can to show that he can be that number one guy instead and then make it the job easier for the management to trade Eichel. So I'm going to go middle stat, but like with, uh, more players coming in there, like Owen Power after. I think they need some pieces to surround them with. I just don't think Middlestad alone, uh, especially when they lose Reinhardt, is going to be enough going forward. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I like what you said, Alino, before where I think they're coming last because I, I, I think that's exactly where they're going to be. I mean, they, I don't even know who their starting goalie is. They lost Linus Allmark, so I think it's y- Janssen. It's the young guy there. I'm pretty sure he's starting. Uh, I really don't know what else to add here with Buffalo. They're just in a really, really bad state. Um, there's not a lot of teams that you look back and it's like, holy shit, man, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jack Eichel – literally wasted the first six years of his career. And it's crazy to think that because this guy coming into his draft year, oh, you know, he's a he's a magician. He's a superstar. He's a franchise-type player. And he went second overall. So the ex- expectations for Eichel, I think he surpassed them. That's my opinion. Pinello, you know I'm a huge Eichel fan. I always have been. Very skilled player, just defensively uh, not the greatest. But that's basically all I have to say for Buffalo. I think they're going to come in, if not dead last, they're definitely going to be bottom five. I think they're going to get another solid prospect in next year's draft. Maybe it's, uh, it's uh, what's that guy's name, Shane Green. Maybe it's him. Um, but we we got to just wait and see. I mean, but Owen Power not going to Buffalo, that's definitely going to hurt uh, Buffalo's. That's definitely going to hurt Buffalo for sure. But moving on uh, to some positive stuff, we're going to talk about NHL 22 quickly. Um, because I think he's only the third or fourth player uh, to to be on the cover twice, and he's only like 25 years old, Austin Matthews. Look at this beauty. Uh, I guess I'll start with Pinello because we we've been. I mean, we've all been buying NHLs forever, but is it safe to say that did they take the lazy approach here in putting Austin Matthews on the cover, or do you think this is the right choice? My buddy told me a couple hours ago. I thought he was joking. I don't know why they gave it to him. Was he on the cover of what, NHL 20? I think it was 20, yeah. 20 or 19. (laughs) Yeah, 20. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I love Matthews. He's a great player. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, fuck. (laughs) Crosby still hasn't been on one. Uh, Kopitar doesn't have one. A lot of guys around the league. But, uh, yeah, this one threw me off, boys. Yeah, I don't know what else to really add to that. I thought it was just like a New Jersey or something when I saw the email, but it says NHL 22 and then watch the trailer and Austin Matthews. So I'm like, okay, two years later, not even that far off. He didn't win anything. Uh, Still a first round exit, but whatever. We're going to get the first uh, cover athlete again. So looks good. Positive news. Hopefully he doesn't get cursed again. And uh, maybe it'll be a good luck thing, him being on the cover this year. Hey, well, maybe this curse continues. Maybe they announced it before he had the wrist injury and or the wrist surgery. So we know he's going to be out for, I think it's eight to 10 weeks with this wrist injury. This guy won the rocket with a fucked up wrist all year. That's hilarious. But a couple of guys that we haven't even mentioned, like Nathan McKinnon has been killing the league the last five years and he doesn't even get a cover. Poor guy, Nathan McKinnon, even like, Nikita Kucherov's another guy. I think he would probably be pretty awesome to be on the cover. But, yeah, I agree with you guys. I think this is just kind of lazy. Like They, they could have gone with a lot of other guys that are a lot more – like even – again, I usually do not like having a goaltender on the cover, but I think after the year that Carey Price had, you might have to put him on the cover here. I mean, they did it with Brodeur in 2014 when he – I think he had that beautiful playoff run or it was his last year and they, they, they honored it. They honored Broder by doing that. So do you guys think maybe Carey Price or a guy like a Nathan McKinnon should have maybe 
been on the cover? I think the uh, the McKinnon one, yeah. Especially, yeah, when you look at the last four years, she uh, said 90 points. I think, yeah, just shy of 100. Um, yeah, when you look around the league, a lot of guys have already graced that, uh, have already had that honor. So, and the Matthews to get two so early is it's, it's actually fucking hilarious. So McKinnon, I think he's due within the next two years. Yeah, if McKinnon played for New York, he would have been on the cover right away. But I think because he plays in Colorado, it might be a little bit of a tough sell, uh, especially with the league trying to cater mostly to Canadians. But yeah, Carey Price would have been a good name. Maybe even Vasilevsky. He's been amazing. Uh, that would have been a good name to put on. But uh, yeah, I think eventually we'll see McKinnon on, but it'll probably be a joint cover. We'll see McKinnon, McDavid, and like Kucherov on the cover all together. I don't think they're going to have this where they have one guy. I think they're going to take the NBA approach where they're going to have like four different cover athletes. So I think it's just going to be the last one with one cover star uh, for EA Sports. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would love to see that. Maybe have like McDavid, McKinnon, and Matthews or like, you know, or at Kucherov or someone like that. And then maybe just, or maybe you could even do like Gretzky, Lemieux, and like Bobby Orr. <laughs> do like a Legends edition. I don't know. Like yeah, do with NBA. Just be creative uh, because this is not creative at all. Uh, they just throw Matthew. <laughs> hey, Austin, you're going to be on the cover for the second time in three years. How does that sound? Uh, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, just do it. And this guy's modeling. Look at him. We got to do a candid pick. Look away. <laughs> Tape your stick. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking jokes. But uh, now we got to go to the wrestling world because SummerSlam is coming this Sunday. No, sorry, this Saturday, not Sunday, because Sunday's for NXT. So uh, we're going to start. I'm just going to go through the card here. And uh, just like last year, just like the year before that, we should call SummerSlam Single Slam because every single match is basically a singles match except for the, div- the, the Divas, oh my God, the, the Raw Women's Championship, the triple threat match. So I guess I'll start with that. We have the Money in the Bank winner that became the champion, Nikki Ash, this, the, the superhero type character, defending her title against Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Now, I'm going to start this off with a controversial hot take. I think Charlotte Flair is walking out the Raw Women's Champion again. I know that's going to piss a lot of fans off, but I guess I'll start with you, Pinello. Who do you think's winning this one? Nikki Ash in some sort of fuckery. There wouldn't be a triple threat match otherwise. <laughs> but uh, I think there's always controversy if uh, you say Charlotte's walking out champion because like nine times out of ten she does. So I'm honestly not going to argue that because she's she's won it how many times now? 14? 15? I've lost count the last. I think, I think it's 13. 13. Yeah, we're there with her. And she's got another 10 years to go. So, but uh, yeah, this should be awesome nonetheless. But uh, I'll, yeah, I'll say Nikki retains. Hey, I'm going to go Charlotte Flair wins. She's going to hold the title for, uh, I say, one month. I think she wins the title on Saturday, Monday night. Uh, Becky returns. They set up a match for the next pay per view, and that's when she'll lose it. And she'll probably go to the SmackDown and win the title another three times. So, yeah, before the end of the year, she'll have 16. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess we'll. I want to quickly talk about Nikki Ash's character. Like, it's pretty good, no? You guys, 
I mean, she 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 switched it up. She lost a lot of weight. You could tell, like she's been training, working really hard. Uh, I was gonna say, out of out of all the 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 superstars this year, would you say that Nikki Ash is one of the one of the most improved and surprising? I mean, maybe when you were reading me the Money in the Bank card when we were doing our show, and I was looking at the list, and I'm like, I see two options for this match, and like Nikki's not one of them. So. <laughs> So the run completely threw me off. It's not like we always knew she had it in her, but uh, to see them actually give her the green light with this, it's fucking awesome stuff. And at SummerSlam too, it's not like that's some fucking random show. No one gives a shit about one of their 18 pay-per-views. It's at one of their main shows. So this is awesome stuff for Nikki. Yeah, developed a lot. I think this is a big spot. This is basically WrestleMania, I think. Uh, they're in a sold-out stadium or mostly sold-out. So... The crowd that they wanted to have at WrestleMania that they had over the two nights are going to get that all in one night here. So probably after this, we'll see her go back into a feud with Alexa Bliss or joining her. And maybe they drop that whole Fiend character. But uh, yeah, I don't see her walking out as a champion. <laughs> okay, okay, we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to go to SmackDown, the, the tag team t- uh, for the... SmackDown Tag Team Championships. We got the Usos, the Bloodline, taking on Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Is it safe to say that the Usos run is going to continue, or do you guys see an upset here? Uh, you want it? This one's a, a coin flip, I guess. Uh, you know what? For the moment... And especially since Dominic lost last year, and this family has been uh, through a lot at SummerSlam over the years. Uh, I'm going to go with the Mysterios winning 16 years after uh, the whole Eddie Guerrero thing, uh, the custody battle. I think this would be a nice celebration. Last year was uh, just Dominic and his singles, but since Ray's involved, this is a family thing. I'm going to go with the Mysterios winning. What if that's the plan the whole time and then they fuck it up and change it last second and then the Usos end up retaining and then they're like, oh, you know what? We made a mistake. And then on Friday, they do a rematch and then Ray and Dominic win it on the SmackDown. (laughs) Because that's what I'm going with. Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to say the Usos retain here. I just think that the bloodline is like the main focus on SmackDown and yeah, they're just their momentum is just red hot. It's been red hot since I want to say March. So I'm just gonna stick with the the Usos retaining here, and they just keep rolling on. But now we gotta go to Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championships. Sasha Banks was off for a bit. Didn't see her for a while. Um, I don't know what happened to her. Maybe she got injured. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Haven't been too crazy about Bianca Belair's run as the as a SmackDown Women's Champ. Again, the competition on SmackDown has been very limited. But uh, I, I think I think I have Sasha Banks walking out here, the, the SmackDown Women's Champion. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I like it. I'm going to roll with you there. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, this might be the trilogy type of thing, what they do with these two. Like uh, Bianca won at WrestleMania. Maybe they'll give it to Sasha here, and then uh, she'll win it at Sur- like right before Survivor Series. You know they have that title change like three days before the surprise change. I think we'll probably see that this year, and that's when Bianca Belair will probably win the title, and 
that's when Bailey will probably insert herself when she eventually returns to the company. Oh yeah, I like that. I've completely forgot about Bailey. She's been injured for a while, but yeah, I, I mean th- the competition is very limited. I think even well now Lacey's also pregnant too, so. I think it's either Becky Lynch comes back and feuds with Sasha or Becky obviously feuds with Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's title. I mean, I hope it's – I want to see Sasha versus Becky again because I feel like for majority of the man's run, uh, it was Becky versus Charlotte. So I'm going to – I really want Becky to come back eventually and face Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's title. I just – I love Bianca Belair. I think, you know, her Royal Rumble performance is freaking phenomenal. And then at WrestleMania, making her dream come true. But it's just kind of been underwhelming. So I think they need to flip the switch here and and give it back to Sasha Banks. I love how no one's stale with the three of those, though. uh, Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky. Oh, yeah, I know. It's awesome. (laughs) The the answer's never been like, oh, we need to get them out of the spotlight. It's always we need more to help them out. So the fact that Sasha has been carrying SmackDown with Bianca for the last fucking year, pretty much, it's been amazing. So, yeah, Bailey's got to get healthy and Becky's got to come back. Something's got to get soon. But yeah, we gotta we gotta continue going here. Um, this one is for the United States Championship again. Not too serious. Uh, Sheamus has had an incredible run with the United States title. I absolutely love him. What a year it's been for Sheamus. I remember back in. January, February, we were believing that maybe he was going to take on Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. So it's been a great run with Sheamus here, but he's taking on a guy that's looking very, very promising. He's had a promising year. Do you guys see Damian Priest winning his first title in WWE? Nah. Nah, fuck that. Damian Priest is a bully. (laughs) <laughs> he's been bullying he's been bullying the Miz every single week he made him stood out of his chair made a fool out of him so you know what the Miz is going to ruin his championship match and Sheamus is going to retain the US title at SummerSlam yeah I agree uh, I think Sheamus you know what that was a solid promo he cut on Raw I loved it the fellow means business uh, I like how he mentioned how he had a broken face but going to basically tear apart Damian Priest at SummerSlam, so uh, I want to see this reign continue. I like the energy he's bringing, uh, especially to the title, bringing some prestige to it. I just don't know what they're going to do with this whole uh, Drew McIntyre gender situation, because the last thing you want is this to be like a mid-card type of feud, and like Sheamus has a title, and he ends up just dropping it right away if Drew uh, comes out and goes after him, but uh, I see Seamus being the bully and uh, setting his sights back on to gender or uh, Drew. Yeah, you know what? I, I was going to say, too, like Damian Priest is probably the right guy for now, but I really wanted to – I know Seamus and Ricochet have had a lot of matches on Raw, but I want to say the guy that should dethrone Seamus is probably Ricochet because I want to see him with that United States title. I want to see him go on a bit of a run. Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal – I completely forgot they're having a singles match here. So uh, Drew's kind of getting shafted here. Um, I think this is a squash match. I don't see Jinder winning this at all. But um, I want to see Ricochet versus Sheamus a little bit more, like at pay-per-views. I, I mean, we love it on the free television, but I think Ricochet and Sheamus could be like a potential match of the night contender if it was on a card like SummerSlam. So I don't – I'm not saying uh, – 
that Damian Priest is going to, you know, the match is going to be underwhelming. But I do think that if if we, we put maybe even inserted Ricochet in this match, this could be a match of the night type of uh, type of deal here. But I'm going to say, so we all say Sheamus retains here. He's done absolutely great stuff. I guess now this transitions into Drew and Jinder. Is it safe to say that Drew is winning? But I guess I'll go on the positive side. Uh, it's good to see Jinder back uh, in a pay-per-view match, isn't it? Jinder's a cockroach. You can't kill him. He's going to disappear for a while, but when he comes back, he comes back fucking swinging. Everyone hated his title run. Too bad. Six months of that. Disappeared for a bit. Now he's back taking on Drew. These guys are probably laughing so hard backstage. Like they were they were in 3MB a few years before. <laughs> now they're on, they're on the main card of SummerSlam. So uh, th- that's so funny. I'm loving it. Yeah, the Maharaja. Got to put some respect on his name. He's a stud. Good Canadian kid. Oh, my God. You got to love it. Um, <laughs> now we're going to go to another very, very, I think it's meaningless, but it's been a big part of Raw. So we got Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie. Eva Marie's getting a, a big-time pay-per-view match here with one of the most interesting characters on Raw. Is it safe to say that? This is going to end in disqualification, or do you see Alexa Bliss just burying Eva Marie here? Alino, take the lead. <laughs> I'm a loss for words on this match. <laughs> I don't know if this is a, a pre-show deal or what they're going to expect out of this. Maybe this is going to be before, like in between Goldberg and Bobby versus uh, each other, and then after uh, the Cena versus Roman Reigns, so... Maybe they'll throw this in the co-main event to get the crowd going uh, a little down. But you know there's going to be a bunch of them that are going to be chanting, We Want Wyatt. And I think the reason why they put Eva Marie in this match with Alexa Bliss was because they're hoping she gets booed in this and everyone forgets all about it, starts cheering Alexa Bliss's character. But I just don't see anyone caring about it. What I hope happens and creative just ends this whole uh, Fiend character because I think it's disrespectful to Bray over there. Just have Eva Marie or do drop drop kick Lily that doll like somewhere, and then uh, Alexa Bliss's superpowers go away. They attack her before the match because I don't want to see them wrestle. And uh, have Nikki Ash come and save the day and lead to a tag team match of the next pay per view. But uh, yeah, poor Alexa Bliss. I don't think she needs a one on one with uh, Eva Marie at a pay per view. I think the key is Nikki though, because she is uh, she was the reason for her fa- her first face turn. So she would be the one to save the day. And that's my uh, two cents to that. There it is. I agree there. I think Alexa Bliss has to desperately turn face. And uh, I can't wait to see it happen because, like you said, it is disrespectful to have this Fiend character and the Fiend has now been released. So uh, very, very at a loss for words for that still. (laughs) Can you imagine if Eva Marie this whole time? was like training and she just sends waiting for SummerSlam and ends up being like an AJ Styles type of matchup over here. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I remember uh, when Trish Stratus took on Charlotte at SummerSlam when we went, I remember like it was a mixed bag. A lot of people were saying, well, you know, it is Charlotte, like she'll carry it. Then I remember like the match was freaking incredible. So if it could be anything remotely close to that, then that's just a huge success in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, we're going to keep it going. Uh, we got my dream match. It's finally freaking happening. Edge versus Seth Rollins in a singles match. I just got goosebumps saying that. Um, Piniello, I'll start with you. Are you excited for this as much as I am? And who the hell wins this one? Ah, uh, It's a coin flip, but I'll go with Edge because why not? 
they're both SummerSlam beauties. Uh, man, this is a match. Yeah, Edge Rollins, this is made for one of those WrestleMania-type feels. So th this will be nothing short of spectacular. So I'll, I'll say Edge takes it, but yeah, it could go either way. Yeah, uh, I was just looking at this page here on WWE.com. You would think Edge is in the match with Seth Rollins. And uh, yeah, nowhere to be found on the front page there. That's great marketing by WWE. Gotta love it. Like I see this, like Charlotte, Nikki, Ashway, Ripley, great, incredible performers. They've done a lot, but you know what? Swap that picture with Edge versus Seth. You know, that's a, a main event matchup. So uh, that's a horrible on their end. Some casual fan could have searched that and been hyped for it. But yeah, I'm going to go uh, Edge taking this. I think he needs a big win here, especially what happened at Mania. Loses again to Roman. I think he's going to be in for a positive night. Maybe it's going to be like some interference because uh, Seth Rollins has been uh, interfering, helping out Roman. And I see somebody maybe getting involved and having another storyline coming out of this. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to say Seth wins here. I think he's going to win. And I think this is going to basically go till uh, Survivor Series. I want to say maybe. I mean, I know they're both on SmackDown, but I want to see like a Team Edge versus Team Rollins because they have that star power to probably go backstage and say, hey, let's just do our own Survivor Series match. So um, either way, I think Edge and Seth, I think, I, I mean, I'm biased as hell, but I think this is match of the night for sure. Um, I think Seth Rollins, the last couple months, it uh, hasn't been too kind to him, but he's slowly trending back to where he was a couple of years ago. So um, a lot of people are saying that he desperately has to turn face. I really don't see it, at least for the time being, feuding with a guy like Edge. But I really want to see Edge turn heel. I mean, he, he's kind of shown glimpses of it when he when he faced Brian and Roman at Mania. Um, I guess I'll start with Pinello. Do you do you do you want to see Edge continue this type of character, or would you rather have him, you know, be that rated R type of guy and go full blown heel? I don't mind what he's doing now. I think he's doing a great job. Um, if he were to go back, I mean, we've seen it before, and he would knock that character. If he were to go do that rated R stuff in the oh six oh seven type, but I don't have a problem with what he's doing right now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fine for – it depends on the opponent. Like, I'd like what he did with Brian and Roman. He kind of switched it up, and it was, like, not fully as the heel because he was still being cheered, but it was committed to a character while being, like, a tweener type of deal there. So if he does it, it uh, it would make sense against a guy like, uh, like Roman, obviously. But against Seth, I think he needs to be the baby face in that, and I think they'll still have something – uh, when this is done, uh, there's still some big matches for Edge. I think he's uh, far from done in his career. I agree. I think Edge, if anything, he's shown that he might be in the best shape of his life right now. And it's awesome to see guys like Sheamus and Edge, they get older and they just, they, you know, they focus a lot more. They have, I guess, a little more free time to, you know, train harder. And, you know, he's been killing it since his return. And of course, you know, unfortunately, he's had a couple scary injuries, but it happens. So I, I look forward to this match a lot. I think Seth is going to win. And it, that's just me just wishing that this continues. But either way, I think this is going to be match of the night and it's going to be a treat to watch. But moving on, we got another. This has been an absolute treat on Raw. They have been carrying it. This guy has blown his character out of the just out of the park. RK bro taking on AJ Styles and almost for the Raw 
tag team titles. This like RK bro has been one of the best things on raw. Is it finally time where Randy Orton and Matt Riddle get those tag team titles? Yeah, I like it. Why not? I think at some point they they'll get them. So, uh, you'll get some fuckery. I think, I think if the Usos retain, maybe Orton and Riddle will get the raw tag team titles. So I'll go with them. We're winning. Uh, it's funny though, because you go back in history, it's always like the weirdest pairings that are the most successful, like the most charismatic that come off on camera. So we, we were wondering what Randy was going to do after the Bray Wyatt stuff or the Fiend stuff. And this stuff has just been a surprising treat. So <laughs> the match will be fun. But yeah, I say they take the titles. Yeah, I think it's time uh, AJ and almost lose it. I've had it since Mania. Uh, I think AJ needs to go back to being a singles competitor with almost on the outside of the ring. And uh, yeah, I think this is a perfect time. RK bro. It looked like they were splitting up and heading towards a singles match at SummerSlam. But uh, after that RKO, they hugged it out, settled their differences. So uh, I think Orton and Riddle have the titles for a while. And then WWE will uh, do that thing they love doing with Orton and turning them heel. And you'll RKO Riddle again. And set up a feud, but I think they'll have the titles for at least a couple months. Yeah, guys, it, it's just safe to say that I think this has been Randy's year. Like, if it's not Roman Reigns, it's Randy Orton for Superstar of the Year. Like the last two years, ever since COVID became a thing, Randy Orton has just elevated his game to a completely different level. And I, I'm sorry, I absolutely love the mustache look. It's it's amazing. I think he's working that just just unreal. He's got a couple. I think he has now a, a couple more colored tats on his arm that I didn't notice before. So and of course, Matt Riddle, man, the chemistry these two have is just it's amazing. So I love AJ. I love almost almost has actually surprised me, too. But give it to RK, bro. It's their time to hold the titles for quite some time. But now we got to move on to the big two matches. We got, I guess I'll start with Alino's boy, Oldberg, taking on Bobby Lashley with MVP for the WWE title. Alino, does Grandpa take it home or does Bobby Lashley's run continue? Yo, this match is going to be amazing. A solid car crash. It's three minutes, four minutes almost, but... Goldberg's going to put in a shift. Uh, I like it. I wasn't sold on it before, obviously. Wanted to see Bobby Lashley take on Brock, and we got Goldberg come back. But they made it work uh, with Goldberg's limited promos and Bobby Lashley uh, continuing to improve. But I think uh, they'll have Goldberg. It'll probably be a better performance than the Drew McIntyre match. I think Bobby Lashley... Uh, talked about it on uh, Steve Austin's uh, Broken Skull Sessions, how he was a fan of Goldberg. I think he's going to want to make him look good. So we got Bobby winning here with the Dominator. I don't think he's going to make him tap or pass out. Say it's going to be a couple spears. They're going to throw an elbow at each other, and uh, then after you'll hit him with that Dominator to end it. <clears throat> Alino, I can't get this out of my head. The fucking spear on Raw where he was moving so slow running down the ramp Goldberg that they had to like cut the camera angle to make sure you couldn't see him. It was, oh my. Yeah. It, it, it'll be a typical Goldberg match. They're going to, the entrances will be nice. Hopefully he doesn't pull a fucking hammy when he's doing his kick at the start there. And, uh, 
Yeah, I'm with you there. Spear versus spear, but he'll end it in a dominant fashion with that dominator. Boom, you got to keep that going. I think Goldberg's winning the WWE title. Get the fuck oh, out of here, man. <laughs> nah, that's not, that's not happening. Uh, I'm, go- I'm going with Goldberg winning here. I don't know why. I just – you guys know me. I hate Goldberg, but I think I think he's I think he's taking it here. I think if, if there's anybody that's dropping the title out of the two, I think it's Lashley. So I'm going to go with Goldberg doing like three spears, maybe a jackhammer, and – he gets his first ever WWE title. <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> oh my god, that's 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 hilarious. Yeah, I'm actually joking though. I, I he's not winning. Come on, let's be real here. He he's like you said. This guy's gonna kick. Like if he's gonna pull a hammy, or if he can't even run down the ramp, like why would you give him the WWE title at this stage? Is it just for like ratings? Because Bobby's been killing it. So. Yeah, no, Bobby has to de- Bobby has to definitely win this. Please, I can't see Goldberg with that beautiful title. So I'm going to say Bobby Lashley, obviously, but we got to end it with, I mean, this is a dream. It's been a dream. It's happened before. No Mercy 2017, very <laughs> underwhelming. Roman Reigns, the champion. He's, you know, the head of the table. He has been killing it. It's probably been the best run since CM Punk. So I'll start with you, Piniello. Is John Cena going to become a 17-time champion, or are we going to see Roman Reigns just add another body to this impressive Universal run? It's going to add another body to this impressive Universal run. But this has been a nice little treat, nice little blast from the past. John Cena, yeah, coming back, making the kitties happy. And right in time for <laughs> SummerSlam, could wear his fucking big green shirt for the big green show, and then boom, it's going to hit him with that spear. Let's go head of the table. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a squash match, even though I like when they were starting off the build, I thought maybe they'll surprise everyone like the Brock versus Cena match and have Roman squash them. But I think they'll let these guys go uh, just to make up for the last match. I think make this an even bigger deal at this point in Roman's career. Uh, I'll probably see Cena get driven out in like a Fast and the Furious type uh, scene there with that car. Reenact that entrance from Mania 23. Uh, come out there, do his little five moves of doom. Maybe do a leg drop or some surprising spot. Uh, the Usos, I think, will get involved, and Roman will retain the title. Yeah, I was just gonna say if you if you could try and avoid bringing the Usos into it, I think it would just make it even better. But I don't see it happening. I see the Usos probably coming out. There's also been rumors, too, with Finn Balor getting involved somehow. So I guess we got to watch for that, too. But, yeah, I think Roman Reigns, I think he's retaining here. I think Cena's done a fantastic job since going part-time, putting guys over. So I think this is no different here. I don't think he wants another title run. So I'm going to, yeah, I think Roman Reigns is going to, he's going to win. And I think this is going to be a pretty long match. I'll say this is about 18 to 20 minutes. And I think they're going to go go really really hard here but roman reigns man this it's been one of the best runs that i can remember he doesn't need like i love paul Heyman being with him but at this point like he doesn't even really need him so um i'm just gonna go with roman reigns retain but i want to say this like we've we've mentioned it before in numerous other pods when we talk about roman reigns like who is the guy that to dethrone roman is it like a finn balor is it a seth rollins 
it's it can't be Daniel Bryan now. So I guess I'll I'll ask you, Aldi. I'll start with you. Like, who is the guy? Who is the appropriate guy to end this run? You know what? I wouldn't be uh, surprised if uh, on Saturday night, maybe Roman is getting a little cocky and uh, big letter E cashes in on him. I uh, wouldn't rule that out. And then you have big letter E hold the title. And because uh, I think they have plan for their plans for Roman and the rock. I don't even think that needs a title to be on the line for it to be a main event. It's proven in the past Roman main event with undertaker. Uh, you didn't need the title. So I think they can easily do rock versus Roman main event, WrestleMania non-title and you can have big E uh, be the champion. They have a chance with big E because Roman's been here long enough now where you go up and down Raw and SmackDown's roster, like he's had main event matches with pretty much everyone. And with the run that Big E's been on, if if they could uh, strategically plan that out where, where those two meet, oh man, Big E could be the guy there. I mean, yeah, like we've always seen the potential with Big E, right? Like we go way back to 2014 when the New Day first came and we're like, okay, eventually when they break up, He's the guy. He's going to be the guy that's going to get the biggest run out of all three of them. And we all we all know Pinello is a big Xavier Woods fan. I'm a big Big E fan. I think Big E, yeah, I, think, I don't think cashing in at SummerSlam is a smart move uh, for WWE. I just think maybe hold that off for a little longer. But I do want to see Big E versus Roman Reigns. That would be you, – you, you, you want to talk about a car crash – I think that's the definition of a car crash right there. Big E versus Roman Reigns. I think that would be a hard-hitting universal championship belt. But, um, I, okay, excluding Big E, if, like, if, if they went with like a creative approach and wanted Finn Balor to take back the universal title, would you guys be, would you guys be up for that? I mean, not over Big E, but... <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, Finn Balor's amazing, and he's always been – he was really misused most of the time during his main roster run, and then he went down to NXT and immediately proved why WWE creative is fucking stupid. So if they use him properly, Finn Balor and, and Roman Reigns could be unreal. Uh, so, yeah, Finn, Finn could definitely be that guy. It's a matter of if they want to actually give him that spot. I was also going to say, too, um, like – Okay, you have Finn Balor. You have him coming back. He's fresh. He killed NXT. I thought his run there was absolutely perfect. Um, Alina, I'll bring up this name after I say this, but let's say John Cena wins here, and they throw a curveball, and they have the Edge and Seth Rollins feud. I guess, you know, whoever wins that (laughs) reinserts himself in the universal scene. Can you imagine, Pinello, Alina, can you imagine? We're in 2021, the end of 2021, and we get an Edge versus John Cena match for the Universal title just to get those ratings up. We saw Christian Cage get two titles on AEW. Would you guys really be surprised? Because I don't think I would, and I would not be opposed to that at all. And then a fucking angry Randy Orton comes out and cuts a promo. And all these old timers coming back. <laughs> and then they get a triple threat match going up. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, and then Triple H comes back. Oh, because he can't help himself. (laughs) And he'll win the title again. (laughs) I was going to say, of all the guys, instead of Finn or Big E, why why not Triple H comes back? And he he already did it to Roman at the Royal Rumble all those years ago. Just do it again. But uh, I think it would be foolish 
to say we'd be surprised because like look, just look at what's going on like 2021 like cena's got a match edge has a match we can't rule it out they're in the positions they could definitely do that so it would be fucking insane but yeah i wouldn't rule that out or they can go uh at that draft thing they have planned drew mcintyre he goes to smackdown and they do something with roman i don't know if they're gonna I don't know how that would go over with fans, but I think the way that Drew lost the title and that stipulation that we can't face Bobby for the world title, it might be uh, saying this might be happening soon. I mean, the the thing that I love about SmackDown, and I've been saying this for quite a while now, I want to say since Fox became you know the main provider for SmackDown, they have been a lot more entertaining a lot more open a lot more possibilities whereas with raw you get this i don't want to say you get the same thing but you know you have the big type of you have bobby lashley you have drew mcintyre you have guys like randy orton yet like it's the same guys but roman reigns pinello you said it perfectly roman reigns is in a position where he has literally and i mean literally i'm even i'm gonna bring up when i remember when he faced buddy murphy this guy has faced almost everybody and it's getting to the point where if John Cena were to walk out as the universal champion, it's not that we wouldn't even be surprised. It's just, to me, that would intrigue the shit out of me. I really don't know why. I don't know if it's I've just missed John Cena. It's just you see Seth Rollins cl- climbing back up. You see Edge being more motivated than ever. Like, these are this is stuff we have to talk about. Like, we all know that Roman Reigns' run has been incredible and it's been legendary, but you know, swerves happened. Look what happened in 2013 when Triple H turned heel, Daniel Bryan's moment was shut, and Randy cashed in. So, like you said, you've mentioned Big E. I mentioned Finn Balor. We're bringing up John Cena now. There's a lot of names here on SmackDown. I think with this draft coming up, I think Raw has to make a huge change. I think maybe with AJ Styles losing the tag titles, hopefully maybe he can go back into that main event scene. I've missed him in that scene. I, I Man, I remember when we were talking about AJ versus Undertaker. That was just incredible stuff. So um, there's been rumors that Samoa Joe might come back. Maybe he can go on Raw. So there's a lot of options here. I think Raw needs to improve their their main event title scene, even though Bobby, he's just been out absolutely outstanding. But I guess I'll end this by saying uh, The Miz is now back from injury. He's looking healthy. John Morrison, it looks like they're going to go and have a feud. I'll start with you, Alino. Do you think they swerve everyone and have the Miz maybe be next in line to take on uh, maybe Bobby Lashley again, or do you see the Miz just taking on John Morrison for maybe a singles match and and that's about it? Because I'm really intrigued with the Miz, the fact that he's been injured and he's been on TV consistently. I still think they have big things for him moving forward. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think that'd be a, that would have been a perfect opportunity to have it at SummerSlam this year, but. This whole Damian Priest thing, maybe they're going to be responsible for him uh, losing that match. Maybe they'll be on the same page, and then Raw, they uh, go back again where Morrison and Miz are like teasing that they're not on the best of terms, and that's when they go and uh, feud with each other. But I think they did it all wrong there. I think the Miz should actually be the face in that, and Morrison would be the heel because if you – think about it why was Miz like why would he even be more, like jealous or anything about Morrison Morrison's a guy who had to go to impact lucha underground like all over 
and Miz was the WWE champion, main event at WrestleMania. So I think they should have went that route with uh, Morrison, have him be the heel and show like jealous of the Miz and prove that he's a better of the two. So I think they miss an opportunity. I think they just need to change the roles a bit there. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> Especially last time when it happened, when uh, back in 2010, Miz was a heel and Morrison was a face. So if they were to do it this time, I would love to see him switch it. But uh, yeah, it's nothing against the Miz. Just the way his WWE title run ended and just when you kind of look at the build of Lashley, I don't see him getting back to that stage, at least right now. Obviously, the Miz is worthy of being a 30-time WWE champion, but right now I don't see him getting back to that level, especially with... Yeah, with Lashley, what he's doing right now, and maybe even down the road. So, Miz and Morrison, that is going to be money. Well, I got to end things on a very, very positive. I mean, you want to talk about dream matches, uh, Seth Rollins and, and Edge. You guys know I love both of them, but there's another guy that's uh, one of my favorites. And uh, Pinello, you know him. Uh, Alino, you know him very well. Uh, his name is Phil Brooks, CM Punk, looking to make his – wrestling return in AEW come this Sunday. I mean, I'll start with you, Alino, because you were the one that told us. What do you expect from CM Punk moving forward and back? It's been seven years. What do you expect for CM Punk in his return to action? And who do you want to see him feud with first in AEW? Uh, yeah, it's a uh, Friday on uh, AEW Rampage. But, Shit. Uh, <laughs> It's all good, buddy. Sunday's uh, Sunday's NXT. a pay per view, <laughs> but this Friday tomorrow night, uh, yeah, CM Punk. If he doesn't show up, I think everyone will be pissed off. Start a fucking riot over there. Like you don't book out the big arena in Chicago and for a rampage, a one hour show. If you're not implying CM Punk is there, especially when you call it the first dance, CM Punk better be showing up. I'd like to see him feud with MJF. I think that would make sense, especially with MJF beating Jericho and that five labors of Jericho angle they did. And uh, MJF is coming and he's uh, cutting a promo talking about Jericho and then CM Punk's music hits and they have something. I think that would be a nice moment, but the way they've been building it on TV, it looks like Darby Allen might be uh, facing CM Punk first, so it could help him. You got Sting in his corner cm punk working with him on their biggest pay-per-view i think if anything it uh, makes darby allen a bigger star it'll be the heist of the fucking century if he doesn't show up that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> i want to see him feud with uh john moxley i think that's something i i've i've always kind of wanted to see i know he feuded with the shield uh tlc and he somehow won remember that that was hilarious um, I also want to see him face Kenny Omega because, I mean, it's obvious Kenny's one of the greatest and CM Punk, the potential that, I mean, I don't know about now, but, you know, back in his heyday, he was, oh my God, he was, he was absolute money. So I agree with you there, but, you know, if this guy does not show up, that's, uh, this is just a waste of our time talking about it. So I really hope he shows up. I think regardless, I think he's going to come back as CM Punk. I think, you know, it's obviously appropriate. I would be surprised if he comes out as like Phil Brooks, um, but don't be surprised if, uh, Alino, you said Darby Allen. I, I mean, it does make sense, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Cody Rhodes. Oh, man. Yeah, so Cody gets a win. You know the drill. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to add? All right. Well, this was in the zone. It was great talking. Guys, stay tuned. Watch SummerSlam on Saturday. And, of course, AEW Friday. We'll wait and see if CM Punk shows up. If he does, then we're in for 
a great war between AEW and WWE. I mean, they always want to say it's no war, but it's getting intense here. I mean, AEW is stacking up, so um, stay tuned. It's going to be a great weekend for wrestling, and this is In The Zone, signing out.